Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's just Spain here. Uh, Fitz is actually off doing a totally different show that he somehow decided was good to sign up for. Uh, that's going to be every Monday night, right in the middle of our show. And I'm happy for him, I guess. Anything relating to Monday Night Football is good for him and the brand and everything else. But he's going to be gone for like an hour or so. Every Monday, we have to do some pre-tape segments. I'm going to have to do some stuff without him. So I'm going to take this time when he is not here and can't say anything and probably won't hear this unless he gets word that we did a pre-party without him, that, uh, that I was wrong. In fact, I really, I really did a number on myself and I jinxed myself with last week's pre-party. In case you didn't listen to it, we were talking about how excited we were for our Friday show to get done and over because we both needed to tie one on. It had been a long week. We both wanted to mix up a little adult beverage and have some fun. And I carefully laid out the reasons that he was going to get drunker than me on Friday night because I had power yoga in the morning on Saturday. I was throwing a dinner party for 10, so I would need to be cooking all day and top of the spirits and ready to, you know, make some wine and cook in my kitchen all day and, you know, be happy about uh, bringing all these people to my house. And so for all those reasons, I was really going to be very smart about the open bar rooftop I was headed to. Well, dear listener, I did not do those things. I forgot to eat dinner because I was in such a rush to get to the rooftop. It was the last Cubs homestand of the season. And I put together a concoction of rosé and Prosecco together that didn't need to happen and was technically kind of a double pour every time I went to the bar. And uh, long story short, we were in an Uber on the way home, and it wasn't even that late. It was probably like midnight. Uh, So sometime in the span of like four hours, I really did a number on myself, and I had to have the Uber pull over and puke on the side of the road uh, like someone who had just started drinking, like a freaking rookie. And not only that, but after puking on the side of the road and then the nice Uber person offering me a stick of gum and some water and my poor husband being mortified that he was married to a woman of a certain age that still pukes on the side of the road in the middle of the night, I went home still so hammered and I tripped and fell on my dog. Now, thankfully, my dog is giant and his head is basically a boulder. It's my dog Banks. His head is 75% of his body weight. And I fell on the top of his head with my chin He didn't make a sound, seemed completely fine. I, on the other hand, have a giant bruise on my chin. Uh, And then I fell some other time because I also have a scrape on my knee. Uh, And then I had to wake up on Saturday. I skipped the power yoga. You you will not be surprised to hear that. And um, had to cook a, like, steaming pot of risotto for 10. And if anyone's ever made a risotto, it's like basically babysitting. You have to pour in liquid. And then as soon as it gets absorbed, pour in more liquid and just keep stirring, keep stirring for like an hour. Um, So I got out of bed at 1230 and I ate a frozen pizza. And then I spent the next seven hours cooking and having people over. So I guess the lesson is one, you know, everything in moderation Two, probably don't promise that someone else is going to get drunker than you. Three, eat dinner. Four, don't be an embarrassment to yourself and your family and your friends. And five, I guess Fitz was right. Oh, so glad he's never going to hear this. Anyway, enjoy tonight's show. It was a good one. 
We got a lot of football in general tonight. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Shell Penzo Performance Line. We're going to get some guests in here, Sarah, to, to get everybody ready for Monday Night Football. She's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz. And we're going to start strong, Sarah, because over the course of the next couple hours, I'm just going to get worse and worse, more and more distracted. <laughs> I appreciate you letting me know in advance. And I, I'm 100% ready for you to be just completely amazed by the bells and the whistles and the glittery objects and the squirrel of everything going on in Vegas. It's, it's going to be a problem for you. A true story. A few years ago when I was doing a, a show with Jordan Rogers on the weekend, there was a time that the Raiders were playing on Sunday night and in the middle of the show. He finally said on air, dude, you got to stop watching the game. And <laughs> it was fair. Uh, yes, I'm a little. I mean, listen, Boog Shambi has legitimately called a home run for a different game twice while in the middle of the broadcast <laughs> because he had his eye on another game's broadcast just to make sure he was keeping up and forgotten what he was doing and call, called a home run for another game. So we're good. We're good. Boog's a pro, so we're good. Yeah, he is. I'm not. We're brought to you by my computer <laughs> career, training for a better life. I may be training for a better night as this one goes on. We'll see how the game goes. But a lot of stories out of week two, Sarah, and most of them that we're talking about today have to do with injuries. And when we talk about injuries, I don't mean one or two. As we were watching the landscape yesterday, it was staggering to see the number of significant players, not just players, but name players, players that really make people gravitate to the NFL that unfortunately suffered what looked like at this point could be career or not career season ending injuries. So a significant drop off in talent today from uh, the injuries that were sustained yesterday. It was really staggering to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's a terrible thing in week two of a season that we're all so excited to have and to get to watch to be able to rank the most impactful injuries of the week. And that is a story that Bill Barnwell had to write. The biggest one, of course, being the Niners, right? I mean, I mean, and and there is, I believe, an investigation into MetLife Field to figure out if that has to do with the surface they were playing on, especially since they are set to play there again next week. But we're talking uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Bosa and, and some really big names uh, for a Niners team that uh, I think you have to figure out whether your expectations change for them. They've got a couple soft opponents that maybe they could slip by even without Solomon Thomas and uh, some of the other injuries uh, and people that are going to be that are be out for a bit. But after that, like long term, I just don't know if I see the Niners as being able to compete with some of the losses. You're talking about five starters lost in the 49ers mm-hmm. game. You mentioned a few of them, but Raheem Mostert also lost. So you start to think about what it means for a team that – Frankly, uh, I had big expectations for, I, you know, we talked a little bit coming into the season for the 49ers about the possibility of a drop-off because, uh, you know, the defense doesn't seem to necessarily play as well back-to-back years. It doesn't always have the same results. So maybe there was some concept of it. But then they go into New York and they remind us all that maybe the Cardinals were just that good in week one and, and it had nothing to do with the 49ers. And you can feel really good about it. But when you're talking about having that many starters done even by halftime, and then as you mentioned, they go from playing the Jets to playing the Giants this week. If I'm the 49ers, I'm not sure how comfortable I am stepping on that field until somebody can tell me what the heck went wrong. Yeah, if I'm a teammate of any of those guys that got hurt, I want to know, uh, based on my own experience last week and what they're saying about the field this week, whether I can go out there and feel comfortable. Like I said, they have the Giants, like you mentioned, and then the Eagles, who have really struggled, and then the Dolphins. So they do have some time to hopefully get the guys that are not out for the year 
back and healthy, uh, but we're still waiting on the severity of some of the injuries to those Niners players. Yeah, and obviously the most significant Nick Bosa, it's expected at this point that he's torn his ACL, uh, so we all know that obviously that is catastrophic for them. Uh, We don't have a full diagnosis yet on Garoppolo, but it is expected. I think they've said high ankle sprain, so it's expected that he may miss some time, but he won't be missing the whole season. But the the Bosa injury is significant, and that's not the only, I can't believe I'm saying this, not even the only torn ACL uh, Mm -hmm. from the course of Sunday as Saquon Barkley went down on what looked fairly routine at first and then I rewatched it and you heard the yell and that's one of the more disturbing things about not having as much crowd noise you could hear the yell from Saquon Barkley as now we know he's torn his ACL and he is expected to make a full recovery but uh, he's he's out for the year and this is a huge blow for the Giants who you know at this point the NFC East looks so terrible you could see any team making a run but not the Giants without Saquon. Well, and I think it's less about this season for the Giants, who weren't really expected to do that much, and more about what it does for them understanding what they have at the quarterback position, right? Daniel Jones, part of the storyline around that game with the Bears was that it was his first time with all of his weapons. And then Sterling Shepard gets hurt with the toe injury. Barkley goes out with the ACL. You've got five total snaps for Daniel Jones with Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, uh, and, and Darius Slayton. So uh, they they just don't know what they've got. They don't even know what they have with Dave Gettleman, our guy Dave Gettleman, because they put together this team with an expectation of a couple years of rebuilding to then make some pretty big decisions. Without Barkley, that totally hamstrings Daniel Jones' ability to really mature, and you don't know what kind of team you're trying to build around. Yeah. We're building. We're building. <laughs> or not in their case, which is a real bummer for this team. Well, yeah, and it, it makes it more difficult to even know. I mean, I kept watching it saying most of the time, for most teams, if you lose your star running back, but you think, you know what, we got a quarterback in the top 10 of the draft that we believe can be our future, you say, okay, we're just going to change this offense around and we're going to move it around our quarterback that we drafted to be a stud. But that's putting a lot on a player that right now I don't know that we believe, uh, we, we don't have the knowledge yet to know whether or not he can be that guy. So you're right, it makes it much more difficult to sort of evaluate. And that's not the only evaluation that got more difficult is Drew Locke, the quarterback for the Broncos. A lot of eyes are on the Broncos offense. They drafted to try and be more explosive. Well, Drew Locke has suffered a sprained AC joint, just yet another catastrophic injury from Sunday for a team that wanted to be able to look at a young quarterback and figure out exactly what they have. Yeah, it's it's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking about all the injuries of week two. And you're right, if, if Locke is not their guy, then they'll have taken essentially two years to figure it out based on how much they get to see of him this year. Um, you know, how do you commit to whether you're in the process of rebuilding or whether you're in a window to win unless you have a good idea of what you're working with, whether you need to start all over again at the signal caller position, something that the Broncos have done over and over and over again of late. Uh, so this is terrible news for them. Also interesting that right now they're saying he'll miss two to six weeks. Uh, the schedule is subject to what doctors find when he has an MRI this week. One thing to remember is that players are not allowed at the facility on Monday uh, without exception from the league. So it's more difficult to get some of this injury information quickly because there's a delay as players have to go through a COVID testing process before they can be allowed to be back around everybody to figure out where they are health-wise. So sometimes it takes organizations, coaches, uh, teams longer to figure out where guys are with injury. And that's a, a large difference, two to six weeks. But the other part of it is it's a large difference on something that can linger. So even if he gets back, how healthy is he when he gets back is going to be a big part of the conversation, Sarah, because as you look at what he looks like on the field, you got to know where his health is to be able to properly evaluate. Agreed. And, and, you know, those are the biggest ones. But 
Devontae Adams' hamstring injury is one to keep an eye on for the Packers. He was so big in week one for Aaron Rodgers, and we already talked about the dearth of weapons that he might have to work with there. To be without him for a while would be really significant. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey expected to be out for a couple of weeks. That's a huge loss considering the percentage of offense that he amounts for on that Panthers team. Uh, so there's there's just it, – it's it's a bummer anytime you see this. Terod Taylor is considered week to week. You know, you were really excited, and we'll get more into Herbert's debut. But you hate to to see that for a guy like Terod Taylor that you're rooting for and who always seems to have to be dealing with this. And Fitz, we haven't even addressed yet that these are losses to injury, which is something we can expect in football. And I personally think we need a larger sample size to decide whether these are majority soft tissue, whether these are because of a weird offseason and no preseason and working out on their own instead of under the direction of the team like they normally would for a majority of the offseason. I need to see more to know if this is different because we often start seasons talking about how many injuries there are. We also haven't accounted for the possibility of having adding COVID-19-related missing games to this uh, puzzle because I've been unbelievably impressed to go two full weeks now in the NFL where the majority of the meaningful players that you need to see out there, the starting players for these teams, have all been available. Almost no positive tests. Yeah, which is stunning to see. Uh, We're going to get into a bunch of NFL action over the next couple of hours. You know that. I'm probably going to lose all my cool and professionalism, depending (laughs) on how this game starts. But coming up next, a gift from the sports gods or not. Are we getting everything we hoped for, or are we getting our worst nightmare right in front of us? We'll answer that question next. Bain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Coming up Tuesday, the Raiders or Saints will become the NFL's 12th 2-0 team. But are they real or not real? Plus the latest from the NFL's infirmary after a devastating week two. Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin, Tuesday, 6 Eastern, ESPN Radio and ESPN News. It wasn't that long ago we were looking at Major League Baseball saying, okay, how are they even going to get through the bubble? And we were looking at, or the non-bubble, I should say, how are they even going to get this truncated season to play? And we were looking at the NBA saying, what are we going to get here? Well, we know what we've got now. It's a sports apocalypse, as we continue to say. (laughs) We get so many sports at once. I'm not sure, like, it's a little be careful what you wish for because it feels like it's all coming down to the wire. It's all exciting. Like, Major League Baseball right now has got a perfect scenario where, frankly, in the NL, there's four teams that we know are headed to the playoff everything else is up for grabs yeah it's wild uh it's sort of a careful what you wish for uh, you just might get it because uh, we were missing sports for so long and now they're happening all at once i feel like we didn't start the fire was the perfect song if i were clever enough i would sing you a little ditty of all the things at once you know mitch trubisky pat mahomes mlb is you know some sort of song that's just every single thing all at once because It's overwhelming to try to keep up, and in baseball, it's especially overwhelming that we have one week to go, and there are any number of things that could still happen, right? Especially because you had a lot of those teams that early on struggled with the COVID tests and are piling up these double headers down the stretch. So you've got a 16-team postseason tournament for the first time. You've got a couple different bubbles in Texas and California. You've got playoff races that are, are yet to be decided. I don't think there's even a single division that's been clinched yet. Um, we know the Dodgers, Cubs, Braves, and Padres are in fight for six spots, uh, six teams for four spots in the National League. On the AL side, you've got some really cool storylines with teams like the White Sox that haven't been in it in 12 years. Padres to another team that's making a playoff a, a appearance for the first time in a long time. And then a ton of teams fighting out for some other spots. Um, it's wild, and I, I don't blame anyone for being overwhelmed and almost being thankful while simultaneously cursing uh, everything happening at once because you can't keep track. No, you're totally right. And, you know, you mentioned the Padres, and we've we've almost become flippant to that. They're, they've been so good in this shortened season, 
and they've got so much talent, and it's so much fun to watch. But it's also hard to figure out what to watch right now because at the same time that we're getting this Major League Baseball excitement, we're getting action in the bubble in Orlando in the NBA that is living up to all the hype. I mean, I'm sitting there last night wanting to focus on a Sunday night football game that I was incredibly anxious to see, but I'm looking over at my other TV, humble brag, and as I'm looking at the secondary screen. Wow, you have more than one TV? You're so rich. I know. You know what? It feels good. (laughs) It feels good. Let me tell you. One of them's a flat screen, too. Uh, You know what? It's a flat screen, but it's it's a brand that nobody's ever heard of that was on sale for like a hundred bucks, right? Like the guy tried to talk me into the pricier one because it looked pretty. I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. Come on. I'm no, cheap. I'm just going to put the Raiders on that one. It oh, doesn't need to be a nice TV. You're right. It shouldn't be a nice TV in case I throw something at it tonight. No, but I'm watching the, the Lakers game and at the beginning of it, the Lakers blowing out the nuggets. And I was like, okay, this is, this is going exactly the way I expect. And then I sneeze and I look over and I'm thinking, this is exactly what makes the, the bubble in the NBA has given us such incredible back and forth basketball it's just it's beyond as a as an NBA fan it's beyond fun to watch it is actually one of those like it's almost like real housewives I just want to sit back and watch the drama <laughs> unfold well one thing I'll say and and I I, I I got some people a little bit angry including some of the folks on the Levitard show with my asterisk question I should have used a different word other than asterisk I should have just said let's take stock for once in our lives as gas bags of what we would have said months ago if what was happening in front of us was happening and it was a number of, of things but it was partly these massive comebacks that we never see uh, both in in singular games and in series right for the Nuggets to come back from down 3-1 twice in the same postseason it's never happened before for there to be as many swings of double digits 16 17 point leads that are blown uh, especially by quote-unquote home teams at one point up until maybe two games ago I think up until the conference final started the home team was averaging minus four and a half I think so like they were losing more games than winning and and All of those things are happening because this is a wild, wild west of an NBA playoffs. It doesn't make it any less exciting. And in fact, in some ways, there's more parity there than than usual, where in the NBA, you can usually say the higher seeded team is likely to move on. That has not been the case this year. It's made for a great product. It's really leveled the playing field for everything from, you know, home court advantage to whether uh, the the refs are looking out for homer calls uh, to travel to anything else. It just is interesting to take stock of what we would have said months ago if we were looking at what we're watching now. Well, and I was watching the end of the Lakers-Nuggets game thinking, man, if they get one win, I mean, that's all the Nuggets got to get is one win before everybody's going to be obsessed with the concept yeah, of like— they just got to get to 3-1, and I'm, then they're in the driver's seat. And, but they, <laughs> but if, I'm, if I play for the Nuggets, I'm like, we had them last night. I mean, that, that's the moment. It's like mm-hmm. uh, we, it, it, took a, it took an incredible shot, an incredible moment from, uh, remember, the best player on the Lakers, AD, had to come through. And, you know, no, no shade at LeBron. That's actually just a ton of praise for how good AD is. That, I mean— he he comes out and he delivers in that moment. And if I'm the Nuggets, I'm thinking, all right, cool. Like, you're up 2 nothing, but we know we could have won that game and absolutely right. nothing. I, I agree, but I don't know if I would say they had him because it also took a Herculean effort from Jokic. Like, to have 12 straight points down the stretch for his team, that's the only time someone's done that in a game and then still lost on a buzzer beater, right? To have that many points and to be that dominant down the stretch um, and then to have your team come out on the wrong side of it, he had to do a lot to put them in position to be up uh, with with that two seconds to go. And then that defensive rotation issue, that's the issue with this with this Nuggets team and has been all along, right? You're getting incredible offense from Murray and Jokic and, and, the, and the other supporting cast. But defensively, they're always going to be a bit of a liability. You saw that on that play with Plumlee 
Uh, first of all, it was more of a ghost screen than a real screen, but either way, he, he went on the wrong side of it. And they they just they weren't set up and ready to figure out how they were going to defend. And with the way these teams match up, I think it's going to be a much bigger problem for them than it has been in the previous two series in terms of being able to come back from down 2-0. Yeah, and you know what? I don't I don't disagree with anything you just said. I think I've gotten so used to seeing Herculean effort from Jokic that right. I don't even like take I, I take it for granted, which is crazy <laughs> yeah. to say after this this amount of time. Like I've become such a fan of of just the way he takes over games for large spurts. And I was surprised to see that happen against, you know, a team that I think, frankly, should be able to handle that. I, I was also a little surprised to see Michael Porter Jr. Uh, I mean, 15 points. It felt like I, I was looking for some different level of aggressiveness from him, some different level of contribution from him. I mean, he had a good game, not a great game. And I think that's still going to be a key for the Nuggets moving forward because as much as they're getting out of their main two guys, all they need is something out of one other player. And he's talented enough to do that and be that for them. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz on ESPN Radio. Make sure you subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Get the after party, the pre-party, all sorts of uh, digital exclusive content you can only get if you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Also, we didn't even mention that it was a very cool moment that they're wearing those Mamba jerseys and Anthony Davis hits that three and turns and goes Kobe. I mean, it, it was one of those moments to have the, that thought in your head, turn around and, and, and do the Kobe. Um, it, it, I, I do think that this Lakers team is, is too much for the Nuggets to handle, but I, I, I don't know how much weight I'd be willing to put into that considering how much they've proven everybody wrong repeatedly uh, throughout this postseason. Yeah, and I wonder, do you do you believe in any of these superstition around jerseys? Because some have pointed out that, uh, remember, when the Cavs went on their run, they had some alternate jerseys that people didn't necessarily love, but the guys got a little bit superstitious with it. Now, every time in the in the bubble that they've won the Black Mamba jerseys, they've the Lakers have won, so jersey magic? I guess it doesn't matter if I believe in it so much as it matters if they do. Like, if they're going to get in their own heads about it, then then it's something. I don't think it actually is a thing. <laughs> you mean superstition doesn't win playoff games? Who knew, Sarah? No, I don't think, I don't think jerseys win, but I think guys who are uh, weak enough and fragile enough to think that jerseys win might take themselves out of it. Yeah, well, that's probably why I think things like that. Now, I'd like to say I don't, but then I always find myself falling back yeah. into the trap of superstition. All right, we'll keep breaking it down, but obviously this is Monday night. That means Monday night football, and uh, it's a historic night. So we're going to head to Vegas to find out what the atmosphere's like, even without fans in the stands for the Raiders as they make their Vegas debut. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Coming up Tuesday, a night off in the NBA playoffs means plenty of time to relish the Lakers' Game 2 buzzer beater. So what will stand in the way of LeBron's fourth title? Mm. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Tuesday, 6 Eastern, ESPN Radio, ESPN News. It is a good Monday here on Spain and Fitz because Fitz's beloved Raiders are playing in Monday Night Football, opening up Allegiant Stadium for the first time as the Vegas Raiders uh, so lots of good feels, but there are some embarrassments to attend to, and we're going to do that just a little bit on the show, and we want to hear yours, too. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Shell Penzo Performance Line. I don't mean your personal embarrassments, although I did offer up one of mine from this weekend on the pre-party, so make sure you subscribe to the Spain and Fitz podcast to hear how I essentially predicted and jinxed my own sobriety for last weekend, and, and it all ended up in a pile of vomit on the side of the road. But that's a story for the podcast that you'll have to tune into. We're not looking for your embarrassments. We're looking for the player, team, coach from any sport over the weekend that you would nominate for the Monday Walk of Shame. Any of the weekend's events, uh, whichever one of those who offered up the most embarrassing performance, we're going to do our regular Monday segment, Walk of Shame and Staked His Claim 
or her claim a little bit later in the show. So we want you to tell us. I put it up on Twitter at Spain and Fitz at Jason Fitz at Sarah Spain. Let us know the people most deserving of the Monday walk of shame after their weekend performance. Also, don't forget. Tune into Bloodlines, a three-part podcast written and told by ESPN's Wright Thompson that examines the world of thoroughbred horse racing. Download, subscribe, and review Bloodlines, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Uh, Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz, uh, heading back from his Monday Night Football show. He'll be here any second. But we're going to get into some good take or hot take. This is where we look at some of the takes from the weekend's uh, game of NFL uh, slate of NFL games. And we try to figure out whether people are overreacting on a Monday or have a good take. And I want to start out with uh, my fantasy quarterback, who I had to defend when I posted my draft, Josh Allen. The number of people who came at me and said I was going to be disappointed by that, well, he gave me 51 points in one of my leagues. So suck on that, friends. Uh, Dan Orlovsky, ESPN NFL analyst, said this about Josh Allen and the Bills on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin this morning. Through two weeks, Josh Allen is the MVP of football. Okay, 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 okay. I really, really, yeah, that's a hot take. That is a hot take. I'm so sorry, Dan, because I am really enjoying what Josh Allen is doing, and I am uh, more so than just for my fantasy league, but because I think he's a guy I've kind of been a little more hot on than other people. Sometimes and occasionally he forgets how to football, but most of the time I think he's a really solid player that that team is going to be able to put their faith in for quite some time. But MVP, they've played the Jets and the Dolphins. No offense, Mitchell, but the Jets are the worst team in the NFL, and the Dolphins are very much in a rebuild. So let's see a little bit more from Josh Allen. I know that. Giggle Fitz is back. Fitz, hot take or good take that Josh Allen's the MVP of the NFL right now? Did like his Orlovsky just not watched any of the Ravens? Like, <laughs> what has Lamar Wilson? Jackson done? What does Russell Wilson oh, yeah. have to do? I mean, get a nod. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I love Dan, and his film breakdowns are a work of art. But his hot takes. Need some work. I mean, uh, Dan, yeah. got to come a little bit better with that. Definitely Either that a hot or take. They're, they're really good hot takes because they're extremely fiery. Yeah, that, <laughs> is, that is true. Maybe they don't need any work. Maybe his good takes need some work. That's why he's uh, great on NFL Live. Yeah. It's perfect. I'll, I will say, though, I think he was doing the semantics thing where he said if you took Josh Allen off that Bills team, they'd be trash, and he's the reason they won. So, uh, maybe there's a little to that more so than other teams. But, yeah, we're going to go hot take on that one. Let's move on to tonight's game, Monday Night Football. Brian Greasy said this about New Orleans and Michael Thomas. There's really no way that you replace the Offensive Player of the Year from a year ago in Michael Thomas, 149 catches. Uh, But if there's an offense that can overcome that, I think it's the Saints offense. With Sean Payton and Drew Brees, the way that they operate together, they will come up with a plan. And it's got to start with Alvin Kamara. 81 catches a year ago. He's their most explosive player. There's no reason why Alvin Kamara won't be featured tonight. And then the compliment to Kamara can be Jared Cook. He came over a year ago, and all he did was lead all tight ends in the NFL in yards per catch in this offense and added nine touchdowns. So those two guys have to be featured tonight. Fitz, hot take or good take? Not only is that a hot take, Ooh. I also think it's a bad take. And oh, it, I'm gonna go, I don't think we have a sounder for bad take. We might need to add that. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I understand everything he's saying in principle, but it, it doesn't acknowledge two things. One, the Raiders played Christian McCaffrey last week and held him fairly well under check, considering he's Christian McCaffrey. So I don't think that Alvin Kamara presents a matchup they haven't already dealt with. Number two, he's talking about going to the tight end when realistically – that plays to a strength of the Raiders. They have a rookie and a second-year player at corner. If the, if the Saints are going to have huge success, it's going to come on the outside, not going after their linebackers and safeties who are actually some of the strength of the defense. So I think it's a bad take and a hot take. Woo! 
I, I'm not doing any better than that. I'm going to let you handle that one because I think you nailed it. Uh, it's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're doing good take or hot take, reacting to other people's reactions to the weekend. Let's move on to that insane Cowboys-Falcons game. I cannot say this stat enough times. The Falcons are the 441st team to have 39 points and no turnovers since they began recording turnovers for teams in the NFL. <laughs> and the record before yesterday was 440 and 0 for the team with 39 points and no turnovers. And Falcons went ahead and did the unfathomable again, allowing the Cowboys to come back, which led Tim Hasselbeck to react this way to the Cowboys. I do think the Dallas Cowboys, with their quarterback, with their coaching staff, some of the talent on defense, yes, they can be a playoff caliber team. Hmm. He said maybe not 11 wins, but they can. And there was a little hesitation in his voice. Good take or hot take? I think it's a hot take. I mean, I know that they came back in this game, but we are one coaching abomination, and that's the best way I can describe <laughs> what happened on that, uh, on that onside kick away from having a much different conversation. Like, admit it, if the Falcons had won this game, today it would be, oh my God, what's wrong with the Cowboys? So the fact Mm -hmm. that they won in some sort of miraculous fashion doesn't change the take to me. There's still a problem with the Cowboys. Let me preface by saying I do agree with everything you just said. If one spinning, absurd, onside kick and a team that had a 99.9% win probability with 252 (laughs) to play somehow blew it is the difference between us asking what's wrong with the Cowboys and saying they're still playoff bound. That's problematic logic, but I'm still going to say good take. Thank you. And the reason I say good take is because he was hesitant about it. And I think it's more about the other teams they play and the talent that they have and the ability for them as a team that has a brand new coach to get better. We talked a lot about continuity from last year to this year in terms of teams that would succeed right away because of COVID and the offseason and everything else. I do think that McCarthy will settle in, stop having multiple (laughs) fake punt disasters. Is McCarthy coaching or is he playing Madden at this point? Like he's just like willy-nilly. I kind of respect it because I think if I were an NFL head coach, I would do so many fake punts. I'd be like, well, we already did it once, so they're definitely not going to think we're doing it again. Like, And that would so be the way that I would handle things. But he does Uh, know that he can't just turn the console off and come back the next day, right? Like, I mean, Exactly. Uh, but thankfully for him and for them, they are one and one now. And I do think they have a shot to, to round into form just based on the players that they have, but they don't look great. So they need some work. All right. Bruce Arians, Buccaneers head coach had this to say about Tom Brady's performance in week two after criticizing him after week one. I think he has a pretty good history of that. And, uh, you know, this game should have never gotten to as close as it did, but, uh, we let him back in, but I thought he played outstanding. His leadership on the sidelines was great. And, uh, Put us in the right play, a number of different audibles, and uh, played really, really well. Okay, Fitz. I'm going to have to go ahead and call hot take on this one. Listen, the statistics are not outstanding and very good. Uh, this is, he still had a really ugly interception. He had a botched handoff. It was, what, 23 of 35 for 217 yards, a touchdown and an interception. And the second half stats particularly were dismal. I think he's trying to get in the good graces of Tom after realizing last week that this might not be the guy that he can be quite so outspoken with the media when talking about. Yeah, you're a thousand percent right. But I have this new rule when you're watching a game, if you take Twitter and you take like the the Olympic thing, you take the best and the worst out, those scores, where's the rest of it fall gives you a real good analysis of some of what people think. And most of the middle of the ground analysis on Tom Brady in the second half was not kind. So I don't think you can be great and have that happen. 
people people rat you out around here. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. She's Sarah Spain. I'm Jason Fitz, and so far I'm maintaining my professionalism. If you want to hear what Sarah was wrong about, you're going to have to do the same thing that I have to do and listen to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, do all that good stuff with it, as you can get exclusive content every day, uh, either pre-show, post-show. We record a little extra and give you something extra that you can get out there. So you can get it wherever you get your podcast. In the meantime, we've thrown it out to you guys to ask us if anybody uh, has has their thoughts on something. We do something unique here on this show every Monday. The most forgettable and unforgettable moments of your football weekend. It's Walker Shane. The fifth interception of the game. Staked his claim. Gets hit as he throws in the pass. Is caught. What a catch. On Spain and Fitz. You can give us your best. You can give us your worst at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. That's how you get in on the fun. It's Walk of Shame. Staked his claim. Uh, check out ESPN Audio at Home by telling Alexa to play news from ESPN. ESPN Audio at Home brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Vans. Drive a Mercedes-Benz van. Find out how far an extra mile really goes from customization and service to financial assistance. Mercedes-Benz Vans are ready for anything. I'm ready for this, Sarah. You ready? I'm ready. All right, let's start with a walk of shame. And the walk of shame is a simple principle. It's a principle where we take something that, uh, you know, maybe a fan base was ashamed of this weekend, and we uh, we give it to you. I'll start by giving you a little analysis. We mentioned it earlier, a little bit of audio here from Ryan Clark that fits perfectly into our walk of shame. One of those teams is the team I picked that can have an opportunity to win the NFC Championship. Right now, they can't win the KFC championship. They don't know if they want crispy or original. He's talking about the Minnesota Vikings there, and Kirk Cousins had the worst completion percentage and most interceptions in his career as a Viking. 42% completions, three interceptions, and the Vikings, shockingly to me, got thumped by a Colts team. I don't think it was all that great, Sarah. That's definitely walk of shame. You do remember when we were making our divisional picks, I told you, I said, I don't think the NFC North is going to be great. And I think you had the Vikings winning the division. Is that right? I did. I did. You know, yeah. second year in a row, I've fallen victim to this ignorant, <laughs> ignorant pick by me. Well, you aren't alone. I mean, you just heard you just heard RC say that he had them winning the the, the not just the division, but but the NFC. Uh, so you are not alone in getting uh, lured in by if I die, I die, Kirk Cousins, or as some people are calling him today, Kurt Cousins, because he doesn't deserve for you to know his name. You're an embarrassment, though, to be honest. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, my walk of shame is going to the only person, uh, I'm sorry, to the person that Kirk Cousins was the only one to have a worse passer rating than. Uh, I-, I was going to give it to Wentz because it was just that easy. A 64.4 passer rating uh, behind only Kirk's. His 58.8 complete completion percentage tied for 29th out of 34 and his four interceptions tied for the league lead. But it would be too simple to jump on Carson Wentz, especially after he said this. I've said it a couple times now, but we're not panicking. The sky's not falling. There's some good things that we're doing, and, and we'll get back on it. I would love to hear what would need to happen for the sky to be falling. But again, too simple to go after Carson Wentz when you could go after the defense of the Eagles, which oh. is what I'm going to do. They're really sharing this award, but I'm focusing on the defense because people aren't quite talking about it as much as Wentz. Against the Rams, they gave up 450 yards of offense, 449 yards of offense. They allowed 6.7 yards per play. They only sacked Jared Goff once. They gave up 191 yards on the ground, almost five yards per rush, and they let the Rams convert four or five trips into the red zone for touchdowns. As much as Wentz has looked bad, there are many problems on that Eagles team, and the defense is a big one. You're an embarrassment, though, to be honest. I like that that call a lot, by the way. And uh, this is Walker Shame staked his claim. 
Uh, I may have to take the walk of shame early on in this Raiders-Saints game. I just said earlier it was a bad take that Alvin Kamara would be the difference maker. So far, every time he touches the, the ball, oh, no. fire. So we'll oh, just see no. how this plays out for me. Uh, let's go to I the other side. I can't wait to bad take you next week oh, once God. we add that sounder. God, that, I'll, I'll have it coming. All right, let's go to stake this claim. We'll do a little bit of positive here. And uh, it, when you start to talk about the positives from the weekend, there were several of them. Uh, Mapletron, as they've liked to call him now uh, for the Steelers, Chase Claypool <laughs> was a nominee. Aaron Jones, Jones just the, does not run like ring. What's the word I'm looking for? Doesn't uh, roll off the roll, tongue. That's what I was looking for, I mean, and it took me a while to find it because it didn't roll off the tongue. Is what I'm saying. I, now that I did the cliche. I kind of you're like an embarrassment, love. Thank you. Yeah, All right, but I'm struggling just as much as Vince. <laughs> in, in honor of tonight's Raiders game, my staked his claim. My first one goes to Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, and. This is an interesting pick to a lot of people. Again, I know there are a lot of hurt fans that he moved a team. But Mark Davis isn't necessarily somebody that gets a lot of cred as being a great owner. In the meantime, he's managed to move his franchise to a city that essentially essentially paid for a new stadium. He had to put a little bit of cash up. They put most of it up for a $2 billion stadium. And according to Forbes, he's increased his value in his franchise over 20% just in the last year. They go from being undervalued, the least valued franchise in the NFL, to being right on the cusp of top 10 valued, all under the ownership of Mark Davis. That's a stake-disclaim moment for an owner that doesn't get a lot of street cred on a night where he gets to open his beautiful new stadium. I wasn't listening to most of that. I was mostly thinking about how I'm dumb for not ever having made a bet based on the Raiders' record that would result in you having a Mark Davis haircut. Can we remedy? Is it early enough in the season for you to make some sort of, oh, you know what you did do? You did pick the Raiders as a playoff team. Uh, if they don't make the playoffs, will you get Mark Davis's haircut? If they do make the playoffs, will you get Mark Davis's haircut? Uh, it's always <laughs> a two-sided bet. Not. It's always a two-sided bet. But like, I would, I would potentially wear a wig that looks like Mark Davis's haircut on television for some sort of appearance in order to. Uh, but I, I can't make the full cut. I would definitely wear a Mark Davis wig. And by the way, it looks like Alvin Kamara may have just scored a touchdown. We'll keep you updated. My takes are just getting worse and worse on this game. Uh, go uh, ahead, sir. All right, I'm going to give somebody uh, a stake to their claimant and. It, it it also goes out to listener Vicky, who last year we uh, we picked her for the Spain and Company Fantasy Football League. We picked one listener, and she drafted Harrison Butker of the Chiefs as her kicker with like uh, maybe two rounds to go or something. And, and everybody knows in fantasy, you take the kicker last, right? We all make fun of her in the chat. She goes on to win the league. Harrison Butker crushes. Uh, and so to both Vicky, who proved us wrong then, and to Harrison Butker, who was extraordinary in saving the Chiefs, but had as big a role as probably Patrick Mahomes in the comeback over the Chargers in overtime. Not only did he make a 50-plus yard field goal earlier in the game, but he then made a 58-yarder, but they had to move back. Or sorry, they made a 53-yarder. They had to move back because somehow one of the the Chiefs' offensive linemen jumped the snap despite there being no fans in the stadium, which is really impressive. Then he made a 58-yarder, but the Chargers did kind of time out. So by the time he had to make the third 50-plus-yard field goal, he had made three straight to win the game. And I don't know how you get to have a team as good as that, a quarterback as good as that, and a kicker that doesn't double-doink any of those. It's not fair. <laughs> not only that, but he looks so good coming into the stadium. I don't know if you saw the picture of the drip coming into the stadium. That's oh, yeah. what the kids call it. But my God, I mean, the the, the kicker drip was on fire for him. He so. I mean, uh, yeah, just... he felt good about wearing that outfit when he realized that he was going to be a big focal point. He's he's got that. He he kind of almost looked like what was that Jude Law character in that movie? Um, 
Oh, now I'm gonna. It's like the fantastic Mr. Something or the fabulous. You're an embarrassment, though, to be honest. Listen, it's again. There's a lot going on. You guys should be at least helping me. Yeah, nobody I, knows what I'm talking about. Um, the talented Mr. Ripley. Thank you. Woohoo! Google. That's he that's the vibe he was giving. He was giving like that sort of uh, just got out of boarding school. Um, might be secretly a psychopath, but looks good. Oh, that, that, you get what I'm saying? With you're that? right. With the, no, you're right. With like, the outfit he's wearing. Yeah, it, it looks like it, he could either be in like American Psycho or he could be a superhero. We don't 100%. know which. One hundred percent. Yeah, either he takes off that blazer and there is a full leotard under there, or there's bodies in the basement. That's yeah, that, a thousand percent. Everyone just Google Harrison Butker's post game. None of this will make any sense unless you can see the drip. Some of uh, some of the tweets we've gotten. Shireen says the Detroit Lions four straight double digit leads all end in losses. At least Wayne Fonts was fifty fifty for Walk of Shame. Yeah, yeah, no, not not uh, no, not was, take their claim. I was just yeah, I was letting them get in. I, I, I should have prefaced that better. Yeah, another Walk of Shame. <laughs> Torres says the New York Jets whole football team and their coaching staff. Sorry, oh. Mitchell. Uh, and then uh, Ben says for Walk of Shame, Ed Orgeron ca- casually admitting that most of his players have tested positive for COVID nineteen. We'll get into that throughout the week for sure. A lot of a lot of votes for the Falcons. A lot of votes for Adam Gase and everybody involved with the Jets. And I, I like the one that uh, that basically said, uh, "Why isn't it uh, Matt Patricia? It should always be Matt Patricia." Main and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz were presented by Shell, uh, and obviously uh, the Shell Penzo Performance Line is where all of our guests have joined us throughout the course of the night sarah it's a it's a big day not just for las vegas but it's also a big day for new york it is i don't know if you know this but uh first of all it's the 21st day of september so shout out to earth wind and fire it is the first day of the raiders in vegas big day it's also national new york day a day i did not know existed but i thought we should take this time to celebrate all the good news in new york first you have of course uh the mets oh, i'm sorry shoot okay the giant Nope, not the Giants there. Everybody's injured and they're hmm. not good. Um, the Knicks. Nope, not the Knicks. The Knicks are trash. Uh, the Jets. Oh, no. The Oh, gosh. Well, at least you got the Yankees, I guess. Let's go to our buddy Chris Mitchell and see how he's feeling. I'm right now. I mean, that, 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 that it's no fun going out there and and getting your beat. So, I mean, we need we need to get we need to get better fast. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's actually the head coach of the Jets, Adam Gase. That is not one of our colleagues. That is Adam Gase during the press conference. Wow. What an embarrassment. Sarah, I have happy never. It, like, I, yeah, happy New York Day, New Yorkers. <laughs> I have never in my life wanted more a coach to do a weekly Zoom call with fans. <laughs> Just put it up there. No mute button. Just make everybody go for like, make everybody give a donation uh, to be able to actually be heard by coach. Right. And then get their opportunity for 30 seconds to say whatever they'd like. And then we can live stream the whole thing on ESPN. I mean, you are talking about just a a unique opportunity to hear fans interact directly with their head coach. Also, I'm so sorry. I do have an update for uh, for New York Day. Uh, Bottom uh, sorry. Top of the fifth for the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Blue Jays are up nine to one. So, congrats, New York. I'm right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Spain and Fitz. And look, a lot of NFL fans are angry right now because of injuries. And, you know, as as much as we've talked, and and I I still will go back to this, like, it is stunning to me to look at ESPN.com and see Bill Barnwell write an article that ranks the 21 most significant injuries of week two. I mean, Mm -hmm. 
21. And when you really think about that and you think about the fact that we're talking about not just, you know, players, we're talking about star players. We're talking about brands, about the type of people that are in TV ads constantly, the the people that the the league desperately sort of markets, Sarah. And, and it's a strong statement that this year looks different. Now, Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, talked a little bit about his explanation of injuries early in the season. From week one to week two, a year ago, there was only 18 reported hamstring injuries. This year, there was 32, which is obviously a staggering increase. And I I think we're going to see more of that short term. The other thing we have to keep in mind, too, is the IR rules have changed. Last year, you can only bring two players back, and they had to be on IR for at least six weeks. This year, after three weeks, you could bring back as many players as you like. And that's why there's a much higher number of players on IR. Last year, there were 11 that went on between week one and week two. This year, there was 25. So uh, rule changes, lack conditioning, it's all impacting what we're seeing. And I think we're going to see this for at least a couple more weeks because I think we're going to see players have to play themselves into shape. And that's the the most interesting part to me, sir, what he said at the end. Players are going to have to play themselves into shape. And the hardest part about that is there are still so many practice constraints for teams playing themselves into shape, I don't think is going to be a simple thing. So you're talking about risk of this being a trend early in the season, and that's going to derail everybody. Yeah, I mean, I, I we were going to talk about this on Around the Horn today, and we ended up focusing on the Niners. And when I was trying to figure out if I pin this on the weird offseason and not being directed through workouts by teams and, and perhaps – you know, dumb things like foam rolling and stretching and tedious things that are really necessary to get your body ready that maybe you slack on if there's nobody standing over you telling you to do it. I think that still could be a big part of this, but I'd like to see a bigger sample size. It feels to me, Fitz, and correct me if I'm wrong or if you feel differently, that pretty much every year when the NFL season starts, as soon as there are a couple recognizable names, we say, oh, this is the worst year for quarterback injuries or running back injuries or ACLs or Achilles and then it ends up sort of evening out and we just get reminded that it's a brutal sport where it's amazing that more people aren't injured on every play Uh, so I I just want to wait a little longer but I do think what Tannenbaum said is probably right and I do think it's worth looking into MetLife because Stefania Bell was talking about specifically that field. And there was a study from 2012 to 2016 that play in the NFL on synthetic turf resulted in a 16% increase in lower extremity injuries per play than on natural turf. If you know that and that kind of study has been done, you have to really consider uh, why there are still teams playing on synthetic. Well, absolutely. And if I'm the Players Association and I know that, I'm wondering why I'm not battling for that to be changed. I mean, the NFL Players Union is is substantial and powerful. And I wonder how much of that conversation is just going to be a necessity over the course of the next couple of years. Because uh, you're right that injuries and rash of early season injuries is just part of what we deal with as an NFL fan. But it's also true to say, you know, it's the names that suddenly, when you see guys that are candidates to be on the cover of Madden going down and being lost for the season, and that's when suddenly everybody says, oh, man, there's a problem. But absolutely, we see this every year. It's just not Saquon or it's not a Bosa, you know, and, and that makes such a difference to the way that these injuries are perceived by people as we look at it happening. And I do have a, at least a long-term concern because we all know about how much conversation there is about ratings constantly. Well, stars fuel ratings for the NFL. So I, I as, well, so far, thank God, cross fingers, it hasn't affected quarterbacks the same way, but there is sort of this concern in my mind of, of big brands going down and what it means for the NFL when there are so many sports going on and they're constantly in an election. You're also trying to separate themselves to have some conversation about the sport. 